0: At Acuity Insurance, we believe the things you do for your business are heroic. And you deserve someone equally heroic to protect them. We put our all into covering your business so you can focus on the things you love most. That's the power of heart. Acuity Insurance. Wholeheartedly for you. evening beautiful people and happy tuesday this is tina and jeff with this week's episode of Floors truly hey jeff how are you this week
1: i'm good my hair's a little messed up though from um crystal ball making its way through
0: yes how did you how'd you make out we did we did good we did really good so uh we were very uh surprised i guess you can say but pleasantly surprised my thoughts and prayers go out to those on the Biloxi Gulf
1: Coast
0: that were not as fortunate as us. Mm-hmm.
1: But yeah, we I, they had some. Uh, I tell you, I was. I always enjoy watching the Weather Channel anyway for some stupid reason. But anyway, I watched, same
0: here. Same I watched here.
1: a good bit this weekend and saw the the uh, stuff that was happening at Pensacola. Pensacola was getting some crazy wave action on the beach, and of course, closer to home, Gulfport, Biloxi, Waveland, Ocean Springs. I mean, we saw quite a bit of water coming up there. And then even closer, we look at what happened on the North shore up in Mandeville and old town Mandeville with water going into those businesses there and washing up over the lake. It's really amazing. You never know where the worst of it's gonna land. You just have to kind of wait till it's there.
0: You really don't. I have friends that live in Eden Isles and Venetian Isles and they were expecting some of the storm surge to come up but it, it came up a good bit. Now none of their houses flooded fortunately. But, you know, like you said, you just, you never know really what's going to happen. I fully expected and prepared our yard and picked up everything outside, took the fan blades down and got everything out of the garden up. But unfortunately, it was not, it was not needed. I mean, fortunately, it was not needed. Unfortunately, the winds did not come, but you just never know. You have to be prepared. So we are our preparers here and we watch them. And like you said, we watch the Weather Channel. We're weather watchers. So hopefully this will not be something we have to experience again. It's a good prep. That's what everybody's been calling it. It was a good prep. So It was we a were good very- prep.
1: It was a good reminder that you have to be vigilant. It's a good reminder that there can be areas that are affected by these things, you know, in ways that you may not expect. You know, Grand Isle was saying that was the worst flooding they had seen since Hurricane Isaac. And so that's uh, that's a reminder that these things can pick up really quickly you got to be cautious of it but you know it also reminded me that you know a hurricane party is still a good time I had a couple of friends over on Friday on Saturday night and uh, we watched the weather channel and we played some Monopoly and had a had a nice time waiting for the power to go out and I don't even I don't even think it rained for longer than 45 minutes so no
0: I went outside for a little while I left one chair or little folding chair out that I could go outside and sit and enjoy the breeze. And actually it was muggy. I came back in.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. It and was. I have a
0: friend who's like you, who's a weather watcher and she studies the weather. And she says that a slow moving tropical storm is just as dangerous as a fast moving hurricane because it does Like you said, you never know where that wind and the water and the storm surge is. And unfortunately, we are a coastal area, so it's something we have to deal with. But we were very blessed and fortunate that we didn't experience anything here. And hopefully, they stay away this year. It just always makes me nervous when uh, you see the winter, and it's not very cold.
1: No, that's true. And we know that the Gulf water is hot, but it's not as hot closer to us. We saw the storm slow down and really have a hard time getting its act together when it got closer. Because we've seen, you know, I talked about uh, in a Twitter post last week about how I could foresee a Cindy situation. And if you recall, Cindy, in 2005, I do. Cindy came up similar type of path and then slowed down and intensified right off the coast. And then the eye, of course, passed right over the city, almost exactly what this one did. The eye came right over Lake Pontchartrain. But it was so disorganized and it didn't have the banding around the central part of the storm that it, it, it just didn't, it didn't have time to really get itself together. And of course, the water right off of the coast is still sitting fairly cool for, for where you want to be for, for tropical development. So you might be in the, in the high 70s on the water temps right off the coast. When you get to those mid 80s water temps, If a storm slows
0: down, you got to be careful, real careful. Yes. Now, speaking of heat, today, I mean, we're in the 90s with over 102 heat index.
1: Yeah, I I just (laughs) came inside right before we started the show, and I am still feeling drenched. You know that feeling? I tell people, you know, I lived in Arizona for a little while when I went to college, and people would say, well, what's the difference? Because it's really hot here. I said, well, you know, here you get out of the shower and you dry off and you're actually dry. I said, in New Orleans, you take a shower, you get out of the shower and you're never dry. It just never happens. You can rub that towel all over you all you want. It is this stickiness that attacks you and stays with you all day long.
0: That's the best way to describe it. It's the humanity. It's horrible. We were outside this morning in the earlier part of the afternoon, putting everything back up outside. And we were out there maybe 20 minutes and soaking wet. I said, this is just crazy. And then I have a friend of mine who works at a hospital and she had posted online that she had already seen someone come in today for a heat stroke. And I didn't realize, and and it's my own fault. I, I, you know, when I get up in the morning, I don't watch the news regularly sometimes. And, I didn't watch this morning so i, I was aware that it was going to be hot just not that hot so it's oh man it's june early june it's june right. i'll tell you sunday
1: though i went out sharia and i were we, we had a kid-free weekend for a change and so we said we've got to have a date night we haven't had a date night since probably january because we had the craziness of mardi gras the kids were in school everything else and so we said we got to have a date night well Date night ended up turning into a date-like afternoon. We went and had uh, we went and had lunch over at a Mediterranean restaurant that was completely empty because of the storm, which was fantastic. And then we went out and sat right at the foot of Lake Pontchartrain, and the weather couldn't have been nicer. There was that occasional little squall, you know, the little light squalls where it feels like almost somebody's talking and spitting at you a little bit, but it's not really getting you getting you wet. We sat right there at the foot of the causeway and enjoyed a glass of wine and watched the waves hit. And it was beautiful. And you go, this is so weird to think of tropical storms hitting. But the weather was nice when you had that northern wind that was pushing the cooler cooler air down towards us. And speaking of cooler air, we've got a cool front coming tomorrow. So the rest of this week, after about 2 p.m. tomorrow, we should be feeling a little bit better.
0: I think the highs are going to be in the low 80s. saw that. Um, we have a little bit of rain coming in tomorrow and then right afterwards it, will be that cool front. I'm I'm and I'm looking forward to it. On another positive note, Louisiana opened up phase 2 on last Friday but New Orleans Had not, the city of New Orleans, the mayor, decided to wait another week. So this weekend, New Orleans opens to phase two. So that means bars can open at 25% capacity and restaurants can open at 50% capacity. So that's really exciting because a lot of our musicians can get back to work.
1: Well, that's the hope. Uh, I did see a blurb that they were not going to allow live performances yet, But I'm hoping, I think the mayor is supposed to be making some announcement sometime in the next 24 hours that may clarify that statement a little bit more. So, but I'm excited. I think it's time for us to to get a little bit of activity back, get on some positive notes. And you know, you go out and listen to some music in New Orleans. If you're still feeling bad after you do that, you're doing it wrong, period.
0: Correct, correct. And we have a very special guest with us tonight, Nick Underhill, who is the creator and Saints beat writer of New Orleans That Football. Hey, Nick, welcome to Floors Truly.
2: Hey, thanks for having
0: me. Uh, Thanks for coming on with us tonight. How are you doing?
2: I'm doing well. How are you guys doing?
0: Great, great. Well, so
2: far, so good.
0: <laughs> we we are extremely familiar with you and your work, but I would love for you to take the opportunity to speak with some of our listeners and let them know a little bit about your background.
2: Okay, yeah. So I cover the Saints. I, I started out uh, down here. I came moved down here from uh, Massachusetts in 2014. I had previously covered the Patriots for a newspaper up there. And then I spent the next five seasons covering the Saints for the Advocate, which is now I don't even know what they're called, the times Picayune slash advocate. Um, they've joined forces, but I worked for them for five years, and we kind of developed, my wife and I, a pretty deep connection with the city, um, definitely with the fan base, the passion of the Saints fans, and really the passions New Orleans, you know, people down here have for everything. You know, you, you kind of feel it in just everything that everybody does. There's so much pride, and you feel like a sense of community and everything, and we'd really become integrated within that and. You know, we definitely appreciated the bond and connection we have with the city, but I had gotten an offer to cover the Patriots for uh, a website called The Athletic, which, you know, in, in media circles has become a pretty significant place to work. And, you know, I, I think pretty, you know, everybody, we, we all kind of like end up on this like path of success, right? Like you do this thing and then you take the next step. So like, for me, it was like, come to a, you know, a mid-sized market, do a good job, Then get a job at you know somewhere else that's bigger and has wider reach and so it was a natural progression and then after that you know you try to get a job nationally and you just keep climbing this ladder but i went up to new england and i just didn't i didn't feel the love or the passion or or anything from you know the fans to me me to my work like i just missed new orleans pretty much every day and you know i could look at it like it was a negative experience and in some aspects you know I, i think it probably was but for me like the perspective and the the way I was able to redefine what success is for me and what I wanted in life, it changed and it's different. And, you know, I, I think I had to go through this to find out what I wanted and like what success looks like for me. And for me, it's just, it's being here, it's living here, being part of this community, covering this team. So, you know, I left that job, um, complete leap of faith, uh, started a website and people have showed up and they're paying for it to read and, you know, they're supporting us and supporting the vision. And, you know, it's early, um, but, you know, I, I think things are going to work out for us. And, uh, you know, I'm just thankful that we were able to find a way back and, and hopefully, you know, things keep working out for us.
1: I tell you what, Nick, I, 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 I got to tell you, your Valentine's day post that says new Orleans, I'm sorry. I left you please forgive me i'm back was perfect it really (laughs) was the perfect post and i think all of us who have left at some point whether whether you're from here or not you know you were a transplant who discovered that this was home i was home i left and i i felt the exact same way so you summed it up perfectly when you made that announcement he blew
2: up
0: saint's twitter literally (laughs) (laughs)
2: yeah you know and for me it it was hard to understand that because I was born in Pennsylvania and I lived there and then I I moved to Boston for my first job and then I came down here and then it was like you know I knew I liked it here and it felt different here but I I don't know if anywhere ever really truly felt like home like where I felt connected to a community you know the place I grew up it was just you always wanted to get out of there you know we you know it, it was a hard place to live and so like that sense of home like my parents home was home but like the community and everything I, I never had that and you know i always thought to myself like hey i can go live anywhere and if i got my wife and my dog like i'm good like we'll make new friends we'll we'll connect with new people and it'll be okay and you know i found out like you know this this is my home and like i kind of had that feeling when we left but like it really it really hit home and just I don't know it was like almost like reverse culture shock it's it's just like really hard to explain like we just never felt right and you know it felt like we had to come back and the crazy thing with the website on valentine's day <laughs> the plan was to wait until like mid-march to announce the site like i was i left the job and like that's what we were going to do and i was like you know what i got to do this right now like i i need to have it you know out there and, and start it and you know i think we got pretty lucky with the virus hitting because if we had waited like that might have changed how everything worked out so mm-hmm. like we we're lucky to get a little bit out of, ahead of it, but you know, I just like, I was just so excited. Like I couldn't wait to tell everybody like, Hey, this is what we're doing. And it's like, you know what, I'm doing it. It's Valentine's day. It works. And you know, I just put it out there and you know, I was kind of myself and hopefully that worked out. I mean, it, it did with the timing. So uh yeah, I mean, that's, that's it. You know, there but was no- a
0: definite, there was a definite void, Nick, when you left and you have such an incredible reputation and so well liked and so respected within the saints community that It's something unusual, but it's also positive, too, to say that when you left to go cover the Patriots, there were a lot of people I saw on Twitter that were still following you and still interacting with you. And Saints fans were very passionate about our team, but also, too, when we know that you're one of ours, so to speak. It, you know, you're, you're part of the family, no matter what happens. And I feel like that with you, cause I, I noticed, you know, being a follower of yours and interacting with a lot of people on Twitter, I see their posts and they were still posting and still replying and still retweeting with you, even after you left and went to go work for the athletic. So that speaks, it speaks volumes of how well respected and well liked you were here. And again, like I said, I wasn't kidding. You literally blew up Saints Twitter the day that post came out. Everybody was just so excited. There was posts on Twitter. There was posts on Facebook on Saints report, because there was a void as you know, we just, we, we had, we were lacking, you know, that that some of that reporter that was passionate and un- really understood New Orleans and understood the team and what it meant, what they mean to us and what we mean to, to them. So we are definitely glad that you're back.
1: <laughs> and that's we, true. And I got to, you know, one of the things about New Orleans that's interesting is particularly in the sports end, look at the, look at the players in the national media who have come up through this market. There's been no, There's been no short supply of that at all, but also the amazingly talented people who've come from other places and made this home. And Jim Henderson is the best example of that. I think we all, there isn't anyone in this community who doesn't know who he is. He came in, felt comfortable, made an impact. And the guy is is one of the most talented voices covering football ever, in my opinion. And he stayed here in his career in this, as you as you put it, this medium-sized market. There's nothing special about it except for the specialness that we all know exists here.
2: Yeah, you know, I think Tina kind of put it well though. Like when uh, when you feel that embrace, and it's different. You know, the the way the the people here can embrace you once once you've worked into those graces, like, and then stepping out of it, like you know, it's like cliche to say, like, you don't realize what you have until it's gone. But like, it, it, you know, that's really what it was for me. And like, I kind of realized that. And then like she said, like, you know, people are still interacting with my work, talking about the stuff I'm writing about the Patriots. And it's just like, I'm never gonna have anything like I ever had there. So you know, that was a big thing about coming back. But then again, it's just it's living here the way of life and not sitting in traffic for an hour every day to go to work. Or, you know, you look at the, the map and something's 20 minutes away, and it might take you three hours to get like, it's just easier to live here. And I feel like the priorities of of the way of life. And again, this isn't something like I I appreciated until I left, like, but like the priorities of of the way everybody lives. And, you know, it's just, it's not a hard place to live. And I think other places are hard places to live. I mean, it's hard in the sense of like, there's hurricanes. And, you know, there's things that aren't perfect. But like, in general, your day to day life, it's, it's a good place to be. And you just aren't wasting a lot of time on stuff that's goes against like enjoying life or, you know, it, it's just, it's just an easy place to be.
1: Yeah. We're about quality, not quantity so right. much, unless it comes to, you know, how many shrimp you can stuff in your face. <laughs> then <we are> about <laughs> so I got to ask you a question, Nick. So you've been around the sports world quite a bit. And of course you split some time between New Orleans and Massachusetts and Before we get into any of the other topics, I just have to ask you, so you covered the Boston Red Sox for a short time, and I am a massive, massive baseball fan, and I'm going through this suffering that we're watching play out before us. Give me a quick take on what you think is going to happen. Are we going to get a resolution to this at some point, do you think?
2: Man, I, I gotta be honest with you. I haven't paid attention to baseball since I stopped covering it. Uh, that was not something that I, and it's funny. I, like, I grew up wanting to cover baseball and then I, I did it for a season covering the Red Sox. And it's like, nah, I never want to do this again. Uh, <laughs> you, go, you, you go to work every day at, at one o'clock, you leave every day at, at two, you know, up there a drive anywhere, even at two in the morning, it's at least an hour in the car. It, it was, it was, uh, it was a lot and it was just not something I enjoyed doing. So, you know, I, I I am marginally aware of what's going on because, you know, I'm curious what's going to happen in other sports because I think it could at least impact football a little All bit. On, I don't,
1: right.
2: yeah. I mean, I, I don't think that they'll have the same labor dispute or anything like that. I think there will be some, you know, conversations about revenue splits and that, but that's more down the line with football with, you know, how it would affect next year's salary cap. Cause if there aren't fans in the stadium, some of that stuff is going to yeah. have to drop a little bit and the players will eat it. But you know, baseball's they're, their players union is crazy. And they're the only ones that actually stand in and fight and they win. And, you know, they've gotten everything because of it. But uh, I don't know, you know, it would be nice if they got something going just because, you know, we're, I'm always going to be on the player side. Like, I think the billionaires should have to eat the the loss, but like you know, I, I would love to have something to watch instead of cornhole on ESPN. Like <laughs>
1: corn cornhole, and then uh, every now and then, the ESPN day, it does the Ocho, which is interesting. But I think it is important for people to watch this dispute because, you know, baseball is the strongest players' union, and as the players' unions get stronger, and we're seeing signs of this in all the sports where they're getting to have more of that stronghold. I think that really is putting American sports in an in a in an in an awkward position going forward, and especially right now as we as we're right in the middle of what should be baseball season, and we're trying to find any sports topic we can find because baseball just isn't there anything. So I think it's interesting to watch. I just had to get your take on it.
2: Yeah, absolutely. It. it I'd like to see him get going. Like I said, I mean I. I it's just it's rough out here without sports you know it's been not so bad with football because it's pretty normal right now I mean we, we've we missed a couple organized team activities so there's three practices we didn't get to see three mini camp practices otherwise my life is still quite normal I mean I, I don't know what it's going to look like when when things come back you know that there, there's different schools of thought on you know the fan size and everything media access is is going to be probably pretty weird you know I'm not expecting to be able to talk to a player in person probably until 2021. Um, I just can't see them letting us, you know, have free reign of the locker room like like we usually have. So a lot of that will probably be Zoom calls and, and things like that. But, you know, if they're playing.
0: Your AC works overtime all summer. So be sure to replace your old air filters with new filtry air filters. They recommend updating HVAC filters at least every three months all year round. So order your filtry air filters today at filtry.com. Let's clear the air
2: games, I'm good. I, I can figure out how to do my job. I won't complain about it. Um, you know, I just I just want to have football games to watch. Not a huge baseball guy, but I'll watch baseball games right now out of boredom, like anything. Yes, we'll
0: take anything. We said that last week on the show. Pretty. That's why NASCAR's ratings have been through the roof, because people are just so hungry for sports right now. There isn't anything. There is, it, I mean, it's just a void. I mean, I mean there's rugby on well.
1: every day. I'm going to be watching that tonight, okay? I'm just saying.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, but that yeah, actually not- leads us... I'm not ready for NASCAR yet, but I'll I'll take the other sports.
0: But that actually leads us to our next question you were talking about as far as how the season's going to look. I mean, you covered the Patriots for a year. You covered Tom Brady. So now, I mean, with him being with the Buccaneers and also being in the NFC South, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, how do you think he's going to adjust to a new team, new system, new coach, and then the Saints playing them? What are your thoughts on all of that?
2: Yeah, I mean, first thing is – I think he's at a point in his career where he needs players around him to make him better. And I think you saw that last year in, in new England. Um, you know, his numbers weren't great. I think after week four, he was under 60% passing for, for the season. And they just didn't have a lot of good players around him. And look, I think Drew Brees is kind of like, it's in a similar place in his career too, that they need to do more around him to keep, to keep lifting him up to a certain extent. And you see that with the the moves that Saints are making, you know, giving Michael Thomas a huge contract, uh, signing Emmanuel Sanders prior to him. Like there really weren't too many big wide receiver signings since 2006. Um, signing Jared Cook, like they've just been investing in the infrastructure around him and it's helped mitigate that aging process, you know, as far as what the high can see. And he still looks really good. I think in new England, the Patriots didn't do a good job of that around Brady. They did draft a wide receiver in the first round. They tried signing Antonio Brown that blew up. So, you know, th- th- there was an effort to try to hide some of that, but it showed up. I think going to Tampa Bay, it's a team with an incredible amount of weapons, um, you know, so in that respect, I, I think it'll be an easy transition. I do think this year is, is going to make it really hard to get on the same page with your team, uh, build chemistry, learn the lingo, settle in, you know, the Saints playing them in week one, I, I think is beneficial. I think seeing them early is, is catching them at a time when they're probably still going to be trying to get on the, the same page. So um, it's better to play them then instead of later in the season. But, um, you know, the big thing with him throughout his career and I was up there before for four years. So, you know, I, I was around that team for five years total. The hardest thing for him has always been building chemistry with his teammates. And there's a, there's a period with Tom and it's, it's weird to watch. If you watch them at training camp, like they bring in Chad, uh, Ocho Senko, Chad Johnson one year, and you could see it like straight from the beginning is like they, they weren't on the same page right away. in OTAs mini camp looked bad. They get to training camp and like, it's still not happening. And you could see just this shut off from Brady and he was done. Like you just never saw him do anything again. And last year in training camp, you could see it with Nikhil Harry, their first round pick. It's just like progression. Nothing's happening. There's some yelling and practice between them and he's done and he doesn't do anything the rest of the season. And there's so many guys throughout history that Brady's been like that with that. I think going to Tampa Bay, he's going to have to let go of that perfectionism that's kind of defined his career. And, you know, I, I think he's probably going there with that mindset. Anyhow, I think there's probably uh, the thought process, hey, look, like it's been really hard to play in New England all these years. I, I won all these games, um, but it hasn't been fun. And I want to go have a couple of years of fun before my career is over. So I, I think he's probably going to let go and be a little bit more easier going than he's been throughout his career. But that's going to have to take a little bit of a personality change. Around.
1: That's a very interesting thing you said just hey. now about, about trying to build that chemistry because – Nikhil Harry is a great example. That was a guy who was going to be a steel stud and they just couldn't get it together. Right.
2: Yeah. I mean, look, it, it was, it was tough going for him the whole season. And there, there was a level of frustration. You know, I, I was hearing from people up there, you know, some guys on the coaching staff were, you know, kind of lamenting how unwilling Brady was to get him on the same page. And then, you know, I thought it was revealing. He, he did a interview with Howard Stern after the season and he basically, you know, confirmed that. And he said, look, like when I get to a point where I can't trust a guy, I tell Belichick to stop writing him into the offense and that's it. I'm done. And, and that's how it goes. And there's just so many guys like that throughout his entire career. Their history of drafting, drafting wide receivers has been abysmal because he just doesn't have the level of patience. And, you know, I, I think it will be easier. You're talking about a playbook that, you know, Nikhil Harry goes in and there's the base playbook plus twenty years of revisions on top of it. And if you're Tom Brady, it's all very easy. But if you're Nikhil Harry, like picking up all these nuances and, and all these little ticks, and you know, a lot of their stuff is is not to get too deep in the weeds, but it's you know based on coverages. And if if there's a you know a safety playing at ten yards depth, they'll have their route written. So like, okay, you you break it out this way. If the safety's playing at thirteen yards depth, you break it another way. And if you're a rookie player, that's a ton of that's a ton of information to process and. Brady just doesn't have the patience for, for people to do that. So, you know, I think they're going to not going to be able to do all that in in Tampa Bay. Obviously there's going to be, you know, a little bit of a dumbing down, so to speak, you know, a marriage of, of what Brady likes to do, what Bruce Arians likes to do. You know, I think him and Rob Gronkowski will probably probably have their own little set of offense, you know, that they're doing their own thing. And then everybody else around it is is doing something else. So like some of these adjustments and option routes, him and him and Gronk can do, but, uh, yeah, it's he's he's gonna have to let go a lot. You know, he, he's just gonna have to go in there and and not be the perfectionist that he's been throughout his whole career and figure out how to coexist with these other guys.
0: Yeah, chemist, building chemistry is extremely important. And like you mentioned, we haven't had many camps. So he's gonna it's it's he's gonna be lacking to begin with mm-hmm. that chemistry. Whereas with the Saints, Drew, it's the same guy's coming back, for the exception of Emmanuel Sanders, who we just recently signed, but he's a veteran. And I don't feel like him coming in here is gonna take him long to learn the system. I think he's gonna really flourish. So now we've got this matchup week one, and I feel like, like you said, it's our advantage because Brady won't have that time with the team to build that chemistry. He's going to have to literally start, you know, day one of camp. And that's if things start as scheduled. I mean, we still don't really know where things lie. I mean, we don't know what kind of what camp's going to look like. There's been rumors of it being, you know, the players being isolated. Is it going to be adjusted as far as the length? Is the season going to start on schedule? We still don't know. The NFL has been, very positive and saying that things are going to stay status quo, but we still just don't know. But I, I do leave my you know opinion, as far as with the saints, same as with you, is that that week one matchup early catching them is at a good time. Now what's going to happen later on with the second matchup, we don't really know because at that point, Brady will have more experience and more chemistry built with the team at that point. And, you know, we'll, we'll just see what happens there. But I want to get your thoughts on the upcoming season. You Unfortunately, the Saints, the last two seasons did not end as expected. And everybody kind of wrote us off and said, well, they're not going to get over the hurdle last season. And we did. We got over the hurdle. And then, you know, we, we lost again in the playoffs to Minnesota. And there's been talk again. But I don't see any other team in the NFC being a big threat to us right now. Who do you feel like is the, the biggest threat to us in the NFC?
2: Oh, that's – that's a good question. I, you know, I, I think it's probably a lot of the same usual suspects as the teams you got to look at that have had recent success. You know, I, th- I think the way that the season set up veteran teams with, with a lot of continuity will, will probably be able to navigate a lot of the pitfalls that, that younger teams trying to bring in, different guys might fall into. So, you know, I, I think San Francisco's probably due for some regression, but they have strong coaching and, and they're returning a lot of core players. So I'd put them in there. Seattle's always a threat for it. Green Bay had such a weird off season that, you know, I, I just don't know if, if they're going to be back in the mix, but you know, they, they could be, um, <laughs> I always want to think Philadelphia's going to be good. And then they always disappoint. So I, I, you know, I, I don't know, but you know, I think do things set up, things do set up really well for the saints, just given, you know, like we've mentioned their continuity, they, they aren't counting on a lot of new young players to come in. You mentioned Emmanuel Sanders being a veteran and, I mean, look, you look at what he did last year going to San Francisco midseason, and he kind of picked it up on the fly and and was good to go right away. So not being on the field uh, immediately during the offseason, I I don't think that's a huge deal for him. And, you know, they were so Mike Thomas dependent last year, even if it does take Emmanuel Sanders some time to get on the same page and get going, I think that they can still move the ball with just basically one wide receiver because they did it for a whole season and made the playoffs, so you know, there'll be room for him to get settled in. And I think Jared Cook's going to be a lot better too. And, you know, he's kind of funny going back to what we were saying about Brady in in the the chemistry issues and the patience. Like Jared Cook last year was bad for quite a while. Like he was running the wrong routes, dropping passes, was not settling into the offense. And like there was a streak of, I think there were, it was a two game stretch where he dropped three touchdown passes through those two games. And they just keep going to him and keep throwing him the ball. And it's just like, he's going to figure it out. He's going to figure it out. And then it clicks. Then over the last half of the season, he averaged like more than 60 some yards per game, which, you know, extrapolated over a whole season. You're looking at a a thousand yard player. So, you know, I think he's going to be a much bigger part of the offense too. And the Saints defense is is granted health. You know, Davenport's got to stay healthy. I think that's a huge thing for them. Uh, You know, their pressure numbers went down considerably after the San Francisco game last year after he got hurt. But if he stays healthy for the season you know, I think their defense is going to be even better than it was last year. So there's going to be a threat somewhere. But, you know, I, I think if you look at the Saints roster, you know, objectively, I don't think, you know, anybody from anywhere in the country, they they look at that, that roster. It's one of the best, if not the best in the NFL right now on paper. And, you know, really in practice, too, because we, we saw what they could do last year. It's just they got to you know, it, it kind of feels like the the Bulls trying to beat the Pistons. Like, they got to get by Minnesota somehow, and when they do, like, I think, you know, everything's going to break through, and, and that's going to be the moment for them. But uh, they should be right there at the end of the season.
1: You talked about the, you know, the the the, the strength, and we had Mike Dettelier on a couple of weeks ago who has said the Saints were in a unique position where they didn't really have to do much of anything. They just kind of needed to make sure that they could – Continue to move forward, keep the same pieces together. there were no real glaring holes, but if you had to define a weakness, where are you defining that weakness? Is there a place on the field where there could be a gap that we're just not seeing right now?
2: Yeah, I'd take it right back to the defensive line and, and it, it's just built on a whole lot of ifs, maybe some buts with with Davenport and Sheldon Rankins and you know, Rankins had the Achilles uh, surgery two years ago. Last year, I was told uh, he had a, he had a foot deformity. He has a foot deformity. So last year, he cut a season short right after that San Francisco game, too, and he had to get preventative Achilles surgery on his other leg because it was about to rupture. So he's had two Achilles surgeries. He's trying to come back from that. You know, counting on him if if he's not there, and then Davenport gets an injury, you, your defensive lines in really bad shape really quick. Uh, heading into that San Francisco game last year, their, their pressures per snap, I think it was seventh in the NFL. And then after that game with those two guys out and granted, Kim Jordan also got uh, like an ankle injury in that game that slowed him down a little bit, but they went down the bottom five in the league with that. So if they aren't getting that pressure on the quarterback, it doesn't matter how good their secondary is. Like if you're asking those guys to cover for 2.5, 2.8, three seconds, people are going to get open and, and you're going to be giving up big plays and things get a whole lot harder. So if they could find a way to add another person on that line somewhere, just as, as a layer of depth, like someone better than Trey Hendrickson, I think that, uh, you know, a lot of the concerns about the defense would, would go away. Like there's the same injury concerns, at linebacker, but you know, if you lose Kiko Alonso or, uh, alex alone like it's not the end of the world you can you can patch by that and and you'll be fine you know just play more snaps with more defensive backs or uh maybe zach bond gets going and and he's ready to go out linebacker early in the season but on the defensive line you start losing people the quality depth and the ways to hide that just aren't there in the same way
0: going back to uh some of our players alvin kamara we love him extremely talented was hurt last year and he's due for a contract extension. What is your thoughts on that? Do you feel like he's going to get the extension, get the money that he's he's looking for? I mean, last year he was not himself. We knew that. We saw it on the field. You know, with him being healthy, we've seen some of his videos online. He's been training. He's been working hard. He's at 100%. What, what are your thoughts on that? Do you think they're going to give him that big deal, or do you think that we could be possibly looking at signing someone else? What, what are your thoughts on that?
2: That's a It's a tough situation because – Paying running backs in general is, is is often a bad philosophy, but the Saints are going to be potentially relying on on taysom Hill as their quarterback and if he's your quarterback and you're doing this read option based offense does the value of a running back become higher than it would be maybe in a standard offense where you have a pocket passer and not everything is running off of this run action out of your backfield so if you're paying taysom and say taysom isn't you know this He's on a reasonable contract now. Even on the other side of that contract, he's probably not a $30 million a year quarterback. Maybe you can afford to to allocate some more money to the running backs and go about it a different way. I think his value with Taysom is much different than would be with Drew. So there might be a willingness to get a deal done. Now, if I'm Alvin and I'm offered a contract right now and it's not Ezekiel Elliott type money, I'm probably going to hang back and play the season, have a healthy year and – see my value go up because I don't think even if he he gets hurt again I don't think his value is going to go low I just don't think that agreeing to a deal now unless he has concerns and he wants security now hey I'll sign now for a little bit less money you pay me early and if I get hurt I'm not assuming the risk like maybe there's an agreement there but if I'm him I'd try my best for it uh you know last year he he had the ankle the high ankle sprain on the left leg and I don't know if this was ever out there but he, he had a knee injury too on the same leg so like He was basically playing, like, the season, half the season, with a leg that was, you know, damaged from the knee down and still looked halfway decent. So
0: Yeah, we could tell he was not right. There was something there. The the fire that he normally has, and especially on the sidelines, you watch him, there was just something going on. We weren't obviously aware of, privy to all the injury information, but – it's just it's been interesting because we've got Murray who's his backup you know Saints fans were really upset when Mark Ingram left and then we just signed Tom Montgomery so it's just all of that together it's just you know Murray didn't really live up to what we thought but then again also too there's a factor that he wasn't utilized at least I personally think he wasn't utilized as much as he could have been especially being healthy that's always been an issue with the Saints and balance in the run game is that we just you know we're never balanced enough it always seems like you know we've got the talent there and we don't utilize it enough so it's going to be interesting to see what ha- happens with him especially him like you said with the injuries that he had and he is now 100 percent. you know does he play out his contract do we resign him you know what happens with time Montgomery is, is it's, it's going to be all very interesting factor when, when you look at it as a whole because like you said they don't a lot of those running backs don't get the kind of money that they want you see the big contracts they pay c- certain players but the Saints not necessarily do that here and you know we lost the rumors as we lost mark ingram over less than a million dollars
2: yeah i mean his his agent definitely played hardball and tried to get a little bit more money and it, it backfired on him um you know a similar situation played out with Von bell this year too they uh they had the offer on the table to him and look i i don't think he overplayed his hand like he was the only safety out there but they had the offer on the table to him and then uh you know they were trying to get a little bit more money because you know that's what you do in negotiations you try to get a little bit more and while they were doing that Malcolm Jenkins gets released and they just, they just moved on to, uh, they just moved on to Malcolm Jenkins. and, and It's
0: funny because I called both the Malcolm Jenkins. Jeff can attest to this when the, we were having a show about our free agents. And I said, I wanted Emmanuel Sanders. And then like the next week I was talking about Malcolm Jenkins. and I said, oh, we can see him come back to New Orleans. And lo and behold, the next week we signed him. So there's been like this whole joke about my crystal ball and what the Saints are going to do. And I was like, I just get lucky sometimes. She's, been,
1: she's <laughs> been calling it during the off season. I got one more quick question before we let you go, Nick. And by the way, I really appreciate you having you. So we talked about a lot of the different parts on the team. One question for you. Do we see Jameis Winston and in what role real quick?
2: So, yeah, it's, it's interesting. Um, I, I think if Taysom – not Taysom. If Drew got hurt early in the season, I think Taysom might actually have a better chance of, of coming in, like say week one, week two, week three, you know, just because I think it'll take Jameis a little bit longer to pick up the offense. I think later in the year, if, if Drew got hurt, it might be Jameis's offense to run because Taysom brings so much value in his, his various roles. And, you know, I think he could help. I think he's going to play a bigger factor on, on offense this year, too, than, than he did last year even. So it's a good situation for them, though. Like when Garrett Grayson was here as the third quarterback, he didn't get any snaps during the season. So, like, they drafted this guy. He would play during training camp, and then he would just watch the whole season of practice because Drew's taking the first team reps and Luke McCown is running the scout team. So what they do now is, is Drew doesn't throw on Wednesdays. So on Wednesday, Taysom and, and Jameis will get every rep. And they're talking about right now dialing back Drew on Thursdays as well. So there could be two days out of the week where these guys are getting all the reps and the Saints are getting to do all this evaluation. And that's huge for somebody like Jameis because he needs to work on his decision making. And that's really the only thing holding him back. And he can go and practice on Wednesday. And if he makes a bad read on a play, they correct it. And he goes back out there on Thursday. And, you know, puts what he's learned to, to task and practices it and drills it and becomes natural. Whereas like Garrett Grayson, he makes a mistake in training camp and he's got to wait like a whole year to, to figure it out. So, you know, uh, the Saints bringing Jameis in is a wise move, I think. I think if you fix him, his upside is as a, you know, he's, he's as physically gifted as any quarterback in the NFL. If he fixes his processing, his vision, his decision making... Like, they could, they could have a guy that's, that's, you know, a top five quarterback. If not, you have Taysom here who can do a lot of things and be a really interesting quarterback. But at least if Taysom is your quarterback, you're giving him a strong test and a, a hurdle that he has to clear instead of just like, okay, Drew's gone and we think this guy's going to be good. So the testing the hypothesis and, and getting a chance to see what you have with Jameis, I, I think, is, is a really, really great move for this team.
0: Well, Nick, before we go, I want to tell you, thank you again for coming and joining us tonight on Floors Truly. Welcome back home to New Orleans. And you can tell all of our listeners where they can find you and also your website so they can go online and subscribe and see the wonderful work that we've been seeing.
2: Uh, I'm on Twitter at Nick underscore Underhill. The website is neworleans.football. You can type it in just like that or neworleansfootball.com. And yeah, thanks for having me. And Uh, If you guys want, before the season at some point, we should do it again.
0: Yes, definitely, definitely. Over an invitation to come back on. And thank you to all our listeners tonight that are are on with us. We hope that y'all have a great week. This is Tina at The NOLA Girl, and our Twitter account is at floors underscore truly. And I'm here with my co-host, Jeff. Of course, you can find me at The NOLA ROLA on Twitter. Make sure you check me out. And thank you again, Nick, for joining us. This is this week's episode of Floors Truly. Y'all have a great night. See you next week. At Acuity Insurance, we believe the things you do for your business are heroic, and you deserve someone equally heroic to protect them. We put our all into covering your business so you can focus on the things you love most. That's the power of heart. Acuity Insurance, wholeheartedly for you. Now serving. B-24 at DMV window number 7. Okay, Jim.
1: We're next in line. Perfect, Jim. Things are going very smoothly. You remember the cell phone bill? Yes, and the birth certificate. Nice. We'll have a real ID in no time. That's right. Ready to fly to Carla's graduation and then the big game. Real great
2: work, Jim. You too, Jim.
0: Excuse me. Are you talking to yourself? Now serving B-25 at window number 10.
2: That's our cue, Jim. Excuse us. Talk yourself into real ID readiness by May 3rd, 2023. Make a plan at dhs.gov real ID.